0: good morning everyone and happy new year to all of you brave souls making it out um is it just me or does does it seem like people are dropping like flies right now to this omicron we've had more calls uh different volunteers are jumping in to cover for other people and whatever and so anyways if you're one that is watching from home you're coveted out we uh we feel for you we're uh, hopefully, it won't be long before we see you back here again. For those of you that are healthy, congrats, you're dodging the bullet. Eventually, I think we're all getting it. I, I don't know. That's my thinking. I, I, maybe we should just get it, eh? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I shouldn't be light about that. It's not fun. Not fun at all. Hey, um, charitable giving. Let me Before I get into the message, uh, I, I want to give people an opportunity or just remind them about... Supporting Friends Church financially, um, your generosity allowed us to finish the year in the black uh, for 2021. Which, in the middle of a pandemic and so many different organizations and non profits churches closing the doors over the last year, we're we're really, really grateful and excited. Um, And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to each of you that got involved, that gave of your hard-earned cash to support this work and what we're doing and inspiring and helping people make their world just a bit better. That's what we're about. And um, so just a little bit of an update. So back in October, I had mentioned that just based on projections, we were going to end up about $20,000 short. Um, And that's because right now, between preauthorized giving and what normally comes in on a weekly basis we're running about a $2000 a month deficit that's you know on a, on a grand scale that's not a major chunk based on the size of our operating budget but it's a number and so we mentioned that to our community back in october and the community rallied we knew that there was a couple ways we could fix that thing. We could, and one would be a long-term fix, which would be to up the level of pre-authorized giving within our community to try to get people more and more donating on a monthly basis so that deficit monthly gets smaller and smaller so we don't end up at the end of the year in a deficit position like that. Or we could solve it through a one-time fix. Everyone write a check, whatever you can do, and boom, we fix it. Well, that was the number one answer that most people chose. They wrote checks and we solved the deficit for 2021. What it didn't fix was the ongoing deficit that we're running monthly. Now, we can end up in another position where next October, you're hearing us say, hey, guys, we're here again. And I don't like to do that. I don't want to be in that position. And so I'm going to invite anyone. Um, if you're not supporting financially on a monthly basis, and maybe you've been contemplating it or you have the capacity to do it and you've great time, great time. None, none other than this right now to jump in and get involved, and we can stave off that shortfall at the end of the year, all right? Uh, we're not panicked. We're grateful. We have a generous community, but um, if you would like to uh, up your giving, if you'd like to start giving, just consider this my gentle nudge and uh, encouragement to you, all right? Enough of that. Let's, uh, let's get into it, shall we? Um, so, I've uh, played sports on my life. I've been playing hockey. Uh, you guys are probably sick of those stories. But um, when you play sports with people, you get to know them. You see them on a whole nother level. And especially, there's one part of team sports that you really can notice things about different guys that you're playing with, girls that you're playing with, is how they respond to the mistakes they make in the middle of a game. That's always really an interesting kind of thing. If you've played much team sports, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, On my team, there's a couple, two different guys that I would say are like almost polar opposites in in their response to their personal mistakes. One guy isn't looking up. He just goes and fires it uh, the ball and ends up passing it right onto the stick of an opposing player, who then very quickly puts it in the back of our net. And you watch this guy when all of a sudden he realizes what happens. It's almost like, it is a very painful experience. Um, he'll shout out an expletive. Likely, he will end up slamming a stick or, or whatever. The time that he comes around to the bench, where some of us are, uh, he will likely be complaining about something the other team was doing. <laughs> You've run across a couple of these. And um, blaming, you know, maybe their equipment, the stick. Jeez, I hate this stick. I just got it new. My gloves are needing to be broken. Whatever. Something like that. Or he'll slam his stick against the boards when he comes in, and he'll just be verbally berating himself. Idiot. You know, whatever. And most of us know now, you don't say anything. Nothing's going to help. He's just doing it. He's in his own world. But... What's sad is, over the course of the night, sometimes that one play triggers more of the same, where it's just, it, it moves in, and it's like he can't escape it, and he's just in this foul mood, and it just leads to worse play and worse play. Well, there's another guy that I'm thinking of who can commit the exact same mistake, poof, pass it. Guy cuts off the pass, puts in the back of our net. His response is completely different. Oftentimes, he if he's close to that he'll go back to our goalie, and he'll tap him on the pads and say, "That was me, man. I'm sorry, it's not you." Sometimes he'll, when he comes back to the to the bench, he'll say, "Boys, it's on me. I don't know what I was thinking. I can do better." Note to self, and he'll tell us what he's thinking. Note to self. I'm shooting it hard up, up the walls from now on in. Whatever. He'll say something like that, and it's done. Then it's almost like you watch him. That thing, whatever he did, that mistake, it's almost his fuel. He comes out hotter and harder. It's almost like it propels his game somehow. Two completely different responses to mistakes. I'm going to just park that for a second. We'll come, I'm going to come back to those guys, if, if that's all right. Um, this time of year is an interesting time. A lot of reflecting goes on. As people get ready to turn the page on 2021, step into a new year. If you go on social media much, you'll see a lot of posts highlighting highlights from the past year. It really is the perfect Bragging opportunity to show everyone how much better your life was than everyone else, right? <laughs> a little sarcasm there. No, honestly, probably celebrating all the good things that happened, the people that you saw, the places you went, the things you did. It's a good thing. Probably we don't do it enough. But I'll tell you what we really don't do very much of. is posting all the lowlights from our past year, <laughs> hey? Like... We don't spend a lot of time talking about what really went sideways over this last year. Especially not personally. I mean, how many posts do you see of the guy kinda hunkered over a toilet bowl, you know, from having drank too much. A little uh, caption on the bottom, staff party, Christmas party 2021. You know, like they don't, we don't do that. We we never post a follow-up to the big vacation we had. That's regretting all the money that we couldn't afford to spend that we did. The buyer's remorse for that thing that we bought that now we're going, what was I thinking? We don't post that stuff. Often this time of year, most of us are wanting to bury as deep down and far and wide as we can all the mistakes and shortcomings of our last year. We just want to put it out of sight and out of mind to look ahead and say, let's just move on, shall we? Isn't it true? And yet, I'm betting that if we did a little more reflection on the low lights, if we took time to reflect not just on the best parts when we were at our best, but actually reflecting on some of some of those refer, r- regretful actions that we took we could probably learn something. We could probably prevent the repeat. No? You know, this morning, before I get too far into this, I would like to ask you to actually reflect on some of your lowlights from this past year. As uncomfortable as that might be, To think specifically about the event, or events, or experiences, or mistakes that you would like, you know, there's just some regret there. Something that went wrong, maybe it was a relational conflict, big argument that led to a falling out with someone, perhaps. Maybe it was a mistake that you made at work that cost the company, maybe even cost you in some way. Reputation, credibility. Maybe you made a poor financial decision, or a series of them. You're looking back and going oh if i could do that one over maybe you let your fitness levels go maybe you put on a bunch of weight you didn't want maybe you just made some bad lifestyle choices you know in a, in the middle of this crazy pandemic it's understandable it happens right you started drinking more more than you should maybe you started eating the wrong things at some point you don't even know when it happened all of a sudden man, the idea of drinking more water, where did that go? Or staying up late, being late. Maybe you got into a relationship that was just bad news and now you're in the middle of it and you're going, like the mistakes we can make. I mean, I I could snap off 10 of mine just like that. Is there something from your past year that you look back at, and it's... uh, Just want you to think about it for a second. Maybe it's a few things. The truth is many of us aren't really interested in doing this. Some of us have shoved these kinds of events and poor decisions, lapse in judgment, so deeply under the rug, where no one can see them. Even we are scared to look at them, pretending, hiding, denying. Sadly, though, as much as we may want to bury them, some of these mistakes, they carry with them consequences that are difficult to bury the consequences are often much more difficult to bury. For some, there was hurt that was created in someone else. Maybe harsh words that haven't been forgotten. Maybe there is a sense of judgment that we levied and someone's still smartened from it or betrayal. Just insensitivity, selfishness. I mean, it just leaves a residual, a scar tissue, and you go to say hi to that person again, and it's different. You know what I mean? They walk in the room, and what used to be an excitement to see you is dull. It's guarded. The phone doesn't ring as much. There isn't as many initiations for getting together. There's this awkwardness. Maybe for some, it's an estrangement. Perhaps there were mistakes that no one else noticed and no one else was hurt by. Perhaps it was just in your own private world. There's still consequences to those two, right? No one may know your dirty little secret, but perhaps it's tormenting your own conscience. Perhaps it's left you feeling like a bit of a fraud. Maybe there's some bad habits now that are wreaking havoc in your own life and you're doing your best to hide them, but you know what's going on. Regardless of what it might be, ignoring, pretending, denying, mm, often it just leads to perpetuating the pain, the struggle. It's like an infection that just keeps festering, sometimes getting worse. I don't know if you knew this, but for thousands of years, the Jewish community developed an annual ritual. Thousands of years ago, they started it, but they've been doing this every year. a A ritual designed to prevent this kind of thing from happening. It's designed to heal and to mend relationships and restore our lives after having made some poor decisions. It's a ritual that's all about reviewing our past mistakes. And it's considered one of the most important rituals of their entire calendar year. Don't know if you knew this. We're starting this new series that I keep forgetting the name of, Reaching for More. Is that it? Reaching for More. Oh, good. (laughs) It's based on Jewish rituals that they've engaged in that we can benefit from knowing and understanding. But I want to talk about this particular ritual this morning. I want to show you how reflecting, not just on the highlights, but the low lights, can lead to something beautiful in your spiritual journey. The ancient Jewish ritual is called Yom Kippur. You've likely heard the name. Maybe you knew what this was all about. And uh, Yom Kippur means a day of atonement. A day set aside to atone for it to make right all the wrongs, the misdeeds that were committed over the past year. That was their design. Now, the Jewish calendar year is different than our calendar. So their new year begins late September, beginning of October, somewhere in there. But Yom Kippur happened right at the beginning of their calendar year. And it was kind of the grand finale of their high holy days. You'll notice from time to time, now it hasn't happened in pandemic time, But regularly, there's this time in the fall when we kind of have to shift gears around here because we're accommodating their high holy days. It's about a 10-day period where they have a number of services and rituals that happen. Yom Kippur happens right at the end of this 10-day kind of big series of events that kick off their new year. Rosh Hashanah, the first day and then 10 days of awe, and then Yom Kippur at the end. And there's some stuff that happens in between. According to the Jewish tradition, the belief was that God inscribes to each person their fate for the coming year. And he he would put it into the book of life. Maybe heard that term, the book of life. This happened on Rosh Hashanah, the first day of their new year. But then throughout these 10 days, the 10 days of awe, Jews would reflect on their behavior over the past year. They would seek forgiveness of wrongs done against God, against other humans, against themselves. And then at the end of the 10 days, they would set aside a day and an evening for Yom Kippur. This was for public and private petitions and confessions of their guilt. This would kind of be like the the equivalent of a Catholic confession, only done annually. At the end of Yom Kippur, after all that would be done, the hope was that one could start fresh in the new year with right standing, both with God and their fellow man and themselves. It's a ritual cleaning, cleansing, cleaning the slate. So every, every Sunday night I go out and play hockey and then the ritual is we go back to a pub somewhere and we have some wings and drink a little beer and chat, catch up with everyone. 20 some years of doing this, you get to know those guys pretty well. I would probably say for the first 17 years my ritual was pretty clean. I would show up, beers would get poured, we'd order the wings, I ordered my flavor every week guy knew it. Jeff, usual, yap. And we would chat and yak and whatever. I might have another beer, finish up the wings, pay my tab, and say goodnight to the guys maybe a couple hours, two and a half hours later. But there have been, if I was really honest, some occasions when, as I finished up my second beer, someone would grab my glass and fill it up again. They weren't counting for me. They were just being polite. There have been times when I got into my truck, and not often, but times, when I was a bit nervous. Because I thought I might be Dancing with the Limit. One night, I was driving home. And I was on Crowchild. And a cop was coming down off the off-ramp right at Dalhousie Station. Entering onto Crowchild. The timing of it ended up with him right behind me. Have you ever felt that feeling? <laughs> and instantly in my mind, I'm just thinking, Jarvis. what are you doing? And as we're driving, so we, I, I turn up to go up Sarsi. He's up, and he's quite a ways behind me but I'm just studying my rear view mirror and all of a sudden his lights go on. Now in that moment, and if you've ever had one of those moments, you think about the little thing that you could have done that should have eliminated any concern. So I pull over and that cop goes by me. But I remember in that moment going, Jarvis, you are better than this. You know better. I'm embarrassed to admit this. I know my boys are listening. And the number of times I've told them, don't you dare. You call us at any time, but don't you dare get behind that wheel. I didn't know it in that moment, but that was a wake-up wake up call for me. In, in, in Jewish language, in the Hebrew, they call this a teshuva moment. Teshuva, shuv in Hebrew means to return. The word simply means to return to God, to return to your path that you were meant to be on, who you were truly believe you want to be your best self, return to the path. Teshuvah says, what are you doing? Come on, you're you're off the path. Come on, come on back. Come on back. Just wake up. (laughs) We all have these moments when we recognize that what we're doing in any given moment or what we did was wrong. And you have this moment, you realize, oh, gee, I... How did I end up here? Why am I saying those things? I can't believe I lied about that. I can't believe I'm dodging this. I can't believe. But you have this moment where there is no denying. You don't need no one sitting there needling you in the chest going, what are you doing? No, you don't need that. It's happening. It happens inside. You go, I'm better than this. That's Teshuvah. Teshuva says, come on, come on, come, come on, come on, back, 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 back. Let's go. You go, yes, I'm coming back. you're better than this. Yom Kippur was a built-in ritual that happened on a yearly basis that was designed to try to inspire, to provoke these teshuva moments. As it drew people into reflecting, as it drew them into looking back over the year and going, what has happened? And hoping that someone might look at something a conversation, something that what sign and them going, oh, wait a second. What am, I, what am I even doing in this relationship? What am I doing flirting with that person? What am I doing spending this money? I don't, Drinking, whatever your thing is. A million things that might be just fine for some, but might be for you. You're feeling that finger going, no, you're better. Yom Kippur was designed to create a time of reflection where hopefully there'd be these wake-ups. One of the big assignments that people were given in the 10 days, in the 10 days of awe leading up to Yom Kippur was pretty, pretty similar to what we would know in AA circles as the fourth step taking a a fearless moral inventory. Think deeply about one's choices and behaviors, interactions. Just looking at the resentments that you've built up over the year. That's a great way to start. Where do I have resentments? Who are the people? Who are the things? Oh, I'm pissed off at Justin Trudeau. Really? Okay, let's, let's just dig into that a little bit. Mayors, I mean, it might be the company you're working for. It might be your boss. It could be, it could be your kid. It could be your parent. Think about the resentments that have built up between you and family and neighbors, coworkers. All these conversations, arguments, interactions. Thinking deeply about the lifestyle choices and patterns, habits that have led to regretful outcomes. Just thinking it through meticulously. Writing them down, making notes, acknowledging them before yourself, perhaps before the Creator, before the universe. In the show notes, I've put a link to a document that has been put out, it's unofficial by AA. But it's a great four-pager that can lead you through this process if this is something you'd be open to. And I hope you are. You don't have to be in recovery to do step four. All of us can do this work. But thinking deeply and reflecting on these, on these low lights, the next step in the ritual required making amends where possible. You see, this ritual of Yom Kippur takes very seriously the relational damage that can be conflict can be inflicted. In, in, in some religious circles, we were all about God's forgiveness. It's like, ah, okay, just ask for forgiveness. And it's done, it's over, it's over. There was always a problem though. Because if you went out and you hurt your neighbor and that neighbor was sitting in service with you that Sunday and they're sitting there emotionally bleeding and you're sitting there and basking in the forgiveness. You go, you know, and he's going, oh, I feel like a million dollars. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. You get what I'm saying. Yom Kippur says, uh-uh. No, 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 not so easy. You got 10 days. You figure out who you've left bleeding. Go make that right. Now, some people don't want you making it right with them. Some aren't ready to forgive. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It might be initiating a phone call. It might be writing a letter of apology. It might be sending a text. It might, whatever your white flag, whatever your your peace offering might look like, as best as you could do it, Yom Kippur and this, this experience within the days of says, get out there and own, take responsibility for what you did. Own it. Just do it. You got 10 days. Let me ask you something. If you were to look back over your year, the mistakes you've made, the people that perhaps you've pissed off or hurt, how often have you been willing to just step out and go, it's me, I'm sorry, that was my bad. That was on me, guys. I know I hurt you. What I did was wrong. Can you forgive me? Is that a part of who you are and how you roll? Most of us struggle to fess up like that for a couple reasons. One is pride. We don't want to admit we're wrong. We simply believe we're right, or at least more right than the other person most times. So we refuse to look through their eyes at the situation. We insist that they look through our eyes. That's common. Pride insists that the other party reaches out first. We do the mental math and we say, probably they're 70% more wrong than I am. So I'll wait for their apology. And then of course I'll give them the obligatory, I'm sorry too. Hey, that happens. Can I just be so blunt with you to say when pride gets involved and it stops the apology, it stops you from owning and taking responsibility for the things you're doing, if that has become your way, I'm gonna have you think deeply about how serious you are about your spiritual journey. Because this becomes a bit of a charade. This becomes a bit of a joke when we start living in that pride and arrogance. It short circuits all the things that are vital for our spiritual growth and journey. Humility, forgiveness, grace, self-introspection goes away. Pride needs you to be right. Much more than it needs you and your world to be healthy. I want you to think about that for a second. The second reason that owning our mistakes and coming out and fessing up is difficult is shame. Shame is this toxic belief that that insists you didn't just make a mistake. Oh, you are the mistake. You are truly a broken and flawed person that is undeserving of forgiveness. This is what shame says. And if you felt that voice inside, you know how painful this can be. Jarvis, you wretch. What you did is unacceptable. Don't even think about forgiving yourself let alone expecting someone else to. That's a painful voice. It just pulls the shirt overhead and just keeps giving you the knee right to the chin. This is, I think, what one of my hockey buddies struggled with. It's just this shame voice. He couldn't look us in the eye when he came off. It was too painful for him to even look at us and go, guys, I blew it. He just thought, I I don't know. He just started beating himself up so badly, perhaps that would ward off anyone else from doing it. Or deflecting the blame so frantically to try to keep people from thinking what he was already thinking about himself. Shame can inflict so much internal pain and self-hatred that rather than coming out and owning what was done, we'll just run and we'll hide and avoid. Even if it means walking away from relationships. I know dads who haven't talked to their kids for years, not because they don't love their kid, not because they don't want them in their life, but because they live with such shame for something they did they can't pick up the phone and call their kid because they're worried their kid will go, where the hell, dad? Where have you been? And they can't handle that. Shame is a large reason why owning the mistakes we made in hit and hitting a reset is so difficult. But it just perpetuates the pain. It just keeps taking the boots to you and inflicting and the spiral just keeps going. But underneath the ritual of Yom Kippur isn't just this, come on, think about how bad you've been. It's not like that. That's not the spirit of this. Underneath it all, within the Jewish framework of understanding life and humanity, was this belief that you, as a human, were created in the image of the divine right from the beginning in Genesis. It tells the story of God creating all this wonderful thing. And he stands back and says, this was amazing. He's looking at Adam and Eve and it's going, to go, "Oh." there's verses say, I created you in my image. You're perfect. You're good. Creation is good. Depending on the expression of religion that you may have grown up in, that might have been a message that was absent. In some circles, you are a wretch. We sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I mean, it is woven in. It doesn't focus on Genesis 1. Nah, everything is good. Nah, forget that. You bit the apple, Eve. We got kicked out of the garden. We're damaged goods. That's the story. And that's sad. That is tragic. Because within Yom Kippur, says, no, 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 no. You are a beautiful thing. <laughs> we sang that song this morning, beautiful things. You made things beautiful. You made us. No, I, I, I'm not making a, a case for seven little days of creation. I'm not saying, oh, there's this God that, uh, hey, hey, hey. There is within the Jewish framework of life this sense that we are beautiful. You're inherently good. You're not broken. You're not damaged. You made some mistakes. You got off your path. And Yom Kippur was an invitation to come home. Come on back to your path. I think this is how my other hockey buddy sees himself. I think he believes he's a pretty good hockey player. And he gets out there. He's a good hockey player. But when he makes a mistake, he's like, ah, hit the switch, come back. Come on. You got a little lazy there. Here we go. Owns it. He's not worried about anyone beating him up. It's like, hey, I did it. This was me. Have you ever seen kids when they make a mistake? Uh, just over Christmas, there was a big youth event here, our switch group. And uh, a bunch of kids are running downstairs. One kid tripped, went right into a wall with his shoulder. Boom, big chunk of the wall caved in some of the leaders were coming up and they, they're like white as ghosts. They're like, oh my gosh. And uh, I said, hey, where is the kid? Is he all right? And they're like, yeah. We're not sure who did it. Scared to fess up. We're getting everything all torn down and all of a sudden the kid shows up. Calls me. I'm downstairs. He's up at the top of the stairs. He hears me. He says, Jeff? I say, yeah? Can I talk to you? I said, who's up there? He tells me his name. I'm like, what? I come up and he's like, it was me. I said, what? He says, I, I did the damage. I said, come here. He's like, I'm really sorry. I said, hey. I can repair drywall. You're in luck, pal. I, I got that skill. He's like, I'll come. I said, we got it, man. I loved the fact that he just owned it. Because that's it. Just own it. When you believe in your inherent goodness, there's no hang in your head. You don't need to. Yeah, there's remorse there's a contrite heart that says, I'm really sorry I hurt you by my actions. But you can do that without beating yourself up, right? You can take responsibility, you can repair, but you can give yourself some grace too and just say, hey, I gotta get back on my path. You experienced deshuva. I'm coming back. You look at yourself in the mirror and say, you're better than this. You can do better. At the end of Yom Kippur, on the final day, they would take a goat. They would tie a red string around this goat. And that string was symbolic for all the collective mistakes and shortcomings of that community that they made over the last year, intentionally or unintentionally. They tied it on. It was a symbol and then they released that goat out from the edge of town into the wilderness, knowing that that goat would be killed by wild animals in short order. But that goat essentially took the hit for all the mess that was made. Over the 10 days, people were reaching out and repairing relationships that they could. But then at that point... This goat was the final chapter where they took that Etch-a-Sketch. Anyone remember Etch-a-Sketch? I love that. I should have shown a picture in case you didn't remember. Two wheels, you could draw things. And then, and then if you made a mistake, you could flip it over and just go, shh, 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 and turn it over again, and it's just like a blank, clean slate that you could draw with again. That was the goat. That's where it's scapegoat came from. Flip it over and say, I'm starting over at the end of Yom Kippur, everyone walked out with a clean slate, Gone. all right, it's time for me to stay on the path. Let's go. I'm inviting you this morning to engage in your own form of Yom Kippur this week. Likely, it should start with some inventory. And not for the purpose of beating ourselves up, not for, for making us hate ourselves or some part of our life that can't get straightened up. It's nothing like that. It's courageously and fearlessly looking into our lives and going, ah, this has been a pattern for too long. I've been doing this, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that. Ah, and this too, and that relationship. That hasn't been the same ever since that time. You come up with your list, and then maybe in the process you'll spot someone that it would just heal something. Even if they cuss you out, it would heal something for you to say, I'm sorry. I think I did. I I know I did something there, and it was wrong. And not expecting them to own their thing because likely they had a part of it too. Whatever, that's not your concern. It's just owning it and releasing it. And in the process, experiencing this teshuva where you just return, you come back. Would you be willing to do that this week? You will thank me. This... The, or you'll thank the Jewish people for this. This is something that I think should be woven in on a regular basis. Why wait even a year to do this? This is a, a weekly, daily check-in. What's going on? But as a collective community, they would bring everyone saying, look it, in case you missed this this year, here's your chance. Yom Kippur, everybody. Teshuva this week. Let's return to our path. Let's get on it. Let's bring out the best in ourselves this year. Is there some mistake you made that's been kicking the shit out of you this last year? Get over it. Make it right and leave it behind. Let's do this. That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. May I be open and honest. May I allow my pride to take a backseat. May I allow myself to see all that Jeff is as being good and beautiful. And may I have the strength to look into those dark places and acknowledge where things got sideways. Help me do that this week, God. I pray that for anyone else. Join us next week, will you? It's going to be good. Vince, I didn't even touch base with you on your next week message it's going to be good. He just gave me the thumbs up. It's it's 100%. It's 110. He told me it'll be better than anything. So you'll want to come back and, and join in on that. Get out there and Yom Kippur it this week, okay? All right. Have a good one. That's it. That's all we wrote.